Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. I'm your host, Nate Weitzer. Uh, me and Josh have separate schedules here today, so we're each going to bring you one game video separately. I'm going to be talking about Nets and Knicks here in this one, and then we will splice together our player props picks. So we are still bringing you the same amount of content, just a little half and half action here on a full Wednesday slate as we come out back from Election Day with every single team in action once again. Lots to choose from. Uh, like and subscribe to the page and you will see all these videos, including our videos back together every weekday going forward. Two game videos, one player props videos. Won't cheat you on any of that. But I'm going to run through the lines here real quick uh, so you get the lay of the land. And the, the video Josh is going to be talking here is Magic plus seven at home against the Fighting Lucas, those Dallas Mavericks. He does like Orlando to cover. Other games, we got Denver minus five at Indy. We got Portland minus five at Charlotte. Uh, the Jazz plus three and a half at Atlanta. Pistons up to plus 13 at Boston. Game I'm talking here, Knicks are plus three at the Nets. And good Lord, that under bet down to 221 and a half. That's already down to almost four points. Rockets are plus nine and a half at Raptors. Uh, Pelicans basically the toss up at Chicago. Grizz minus five at Spurs. Bucks minus six at Thunder. Suns minus one at Wolves, Lakers plus five at the Clippers, kind of like a Lakers cover there. And then the Cavs are minus four at the Kings. And yeah, I was on the under here uh, with the Knicks and Nets, and clearly I'm not alone. It's pretty stark. The numbers we've seen from Brooklyn lately trending towards a much, much better defensive team. And especially since Jock Vaughn took over as interim coach um, for anybody who takes the time to follow assistant coaches in the NBA. Jock Vaughn is one of the best defensive coordinators, if you will, and had been their guy since two, three years ago under Steve Nash when they made that playoff run. They had pretty good defense. It was all Jock Vaughn organizing that defense. And since he's taken over here in the last four games for the Nets, defensive rating drops to 104. Uh, Offensive rating drops in their points per game down to 105 points per game. Because of that pace, it's 92 and a half now. Last year was 99 under Steve Nash. And even in October, you look at a pace of 98 and a half with a putrid 120 and a half defensive rating as Nash was really trying to figure out those lineup combinations and get guys out there that could score alongside Durant. And they sacrificed a lot of defense. I mean, they're playing Ben Simmons too many minutes. Now he's into a bit role off the bench. Um, and they're, they've been much more coherent defensively without Kyrie Irving as well. Uh, just playing with much more intensity. It's, it's kind of – we talk all the time about the stars out, bets up, and the shifting in culture you can get when you have kind of a, a selfish star, if you will, uh, a, a guy who dominates the basketball. Um, and he's gone, and now you have Durant who's going to dominate the basketball. But – also keep guys involved um, and, and keep give guys confidence that they can play off of him. And the Nets have been a much more coherent team since Kyrie. You know, first he threw up that stinker in Jacques Vaughn's first game when he was uh, mired in the scandal. And now, of course, he's been suspended by the Nets, so he's not around. We've seen a sample size for years now where the Nets and the Celtics just are better on both ends of the floor without Kyrie Irving. Uh, extremely talented player, but not the best team player and not lifting his teammates in any way. And I, I don't know if you're taking the Nets because of that. I mean, they have won seven straight over the Knicks here. I'm just on the under. Um, 
if you can tease it back up to 225 here, maybe uh, one way or the other, I would probably tease that with the Knicks to cover seven. These these teams have been playing close games uh, for sure. I mean, the Knicks have covered in most of those seven losses and they've been very close down the stretch, which means a lot of defense down the stretch. You look at the recent result. The last two went under. Uh, the Knicks were held to just 31 points total in the second half in a tight game. Uh, there was a total of 46 in the fourth quarter in that last one. You know, typically an NBA game, you get 50 to 60 points in the fourth quarter. The previous one, the Nets held the Knicks the, the Knicks to just 19 coming back in the fourth quarter. And then the one before that was played at a 93 pace, hit a total of 222 uh, with James Harden dropping 34 and 8. So he's not around. The last time they hit 225, which was the original total here, uh, was a game where with no Durant and with Kyrie just kind of doing his individual thing on offense, dropping 40, end of the season. Um, and, you know, Kyrie, a, a Nets team that's led by Kyrie is very much going to get you buckets, going to get you no stops. This Nets team is getting stops right now. Uh, I mean, they... Their first game of the Jacques Vaughn era, they held the, the Wizards to 86 points, almost unheard of, in the NBA today. Uh, we're doing a really good job guarding inside the three-point arc and, and daring the Wizards to beat them from deep, and they don't really have any snipers right now. Um, they actually score the highest percentage of points off twos, so they couldn't get anything done. And the Knicks are 10th in terms of the percentage off twos. Uh, they've been really poor from the three-point line as well, the 33% from the road. From three on the road, um, you know, only 30% of their points are coming off threes. So they're not the type of team that wants to spread it out. They, they score in the paint. Brooklyn, even with their early season struggles, allowing the fifth fewest paint points. Also, seventh fewest fast break points. Sixth fewest, uh, lowest assist to turnover ratio. And the Knicks have, have struggled in that department, aside from Jalen Brunson. They barely beat the Sixers over the weekend with almost an even assist to turnover ratio. So I don't necessarily expect them to be that efficient here. Uh, you talk about that three-point shooting. They did. They are coming off a 50% game, 19 for 38 from three against the Wolves. That was with Julius Randle shooting eight for 13 from deep. Uh, that will absolutely never happen again. Uh, I mean, at least not for a very long time. It's not going to happen in consecutive games that Julius Randle is going to shoot that well. We saw an entire season of hardcore regression from his shooting. Um, and the Nets have not really let him go off from deep. Um, and you look at the Nets. Yeah, I mean, the last time they hit 225 was against Indy. They, they've still gone under in five straight because that total was higher because Indy is one of the highest scoring fast paced teams. I mean, they average their games average 235. So to go 10 points below expected, if you will, is why we're seeing such so much steam on the under here. Um, the Knicks defensively give up a lot of fast break points. Nets are hardly scoring anything in the fast break under Jacques Vaughn, nine points per game. Uh, they're second in opponents field goal percentage overall, allowing a ton of three point attempts, but, you know, trying to get the right guys to shoot threes, you know, in the Milwaukee Bucks playbook, essentially of defense. So, and the Nets are only shooting 35% from three as a team right now. They did kind of start to get hot late to cover in their last game there. Um, Coming back late against the Mavs, only losing by two, uh, with Joe Harris getting getting going. Royce O'Neal has been getting going, but 
I don't think that they're going to be lighting it up from the three-point line the way we saw the Celtics just do against the Knicks, which is the only time they've gone over in their last four games is because the Celtics hit a franchise-high 27 threes and every single dude hit a three. Uh, you know, in those four games, the Knicks offense, 105 points per game, their offensive rating, 103, not playing with much pace. They are a slowdown team. And again, I go back to the history with these last seven meetings and pace of 95 between the Knicks and Nets and Knicks getting about 107 points per game. The Nets going well, well below their average where they used to be a much more fat, free flowing, high scoring team. Of course, if they either had Harden or Kyrie alongside Durant and <clears throat> right now they don't have anybody. Uh, and so Jacques Vaughn's no dummy. He knows he has to slow it down. If Durant's going to carry this kind of crazy load, I mean, he's going to be 35% usage rate at minimum and have to do just carry their offense in the half court. They don't they don't have anybody else who's creating right now. So it's all on Kevin Durant's shoulders. So you got to play slower to get the man some rest. Um, so, I mean, two total of 220 or above, I think you feel good about it. Like I said, if you want to tease it up, there's plenty of other games to look at that you can tease with. Uh, to get it back to where it was around 225 and hit that under with confidence. I'm going to go ahead and touch on the Mavericks and uh, the Magic, as I said. Uh, Look, the Magic at home this season might be a top five offense in the league. Definitely one of the worst teams and offenses on the road, regardless of where they are at that point. But this game, I'm really looking at the total here, and, and I can understand why it opened at roughly like 216 and a half. It currently sits at 214. And the reason I understand why people are betting that under there is it's a magic versus Mavericks matchup, right? And the Mavs play at the slowest pace, regardless of where they are uh, at home or on the road. The magic are a little bit different. And, Honestly, both teams have some splits here in terms of their home and away stuff that that really interests me in betting on the Magic and and interests me on betting on the over as well. Uh, At home, the Magic score 122 points a game, right? That is third best in the NBA uh, in terms of home uh, points per game away they are 102 points per game right that is a 20 point difference there uh that's the second least as well when they are on the road in terms of how many points per game they're scoring their pace is different uh 10th overall and 10th fastest 101 at home a 99 pace when they're on the road that brings them down to 20th right so we're seeing a lot of the 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 things that the magic do well at home they those are the things they need to do to win essentially right like they score in the paint at home at the rate of like the top five team in the league they they are you know limiting opponents uh to their second chance points and to their points in the paint when they're at home it's a completely opposite scenario when they're on the road and and that's really hugely why uh at this point they're one of the worst teams in the league is they've just played on the road a bunch of times uh right now they're four and oh against the spread when they're on when they're at home they're uh covering the spread by an average of nine points per game uh, as home underdogs. And they are winning those games by an average of three game, uh, three points per game when they're at home. So it's a completely reverse narrative for this team when they're at home versus when they're on the road. And they actually look like a legitimate team. So before I go anywhere else, my actual favorite bet in this game is for sure 103 and a half points uh, for the Magic at home against one of the best teams in the league. I'll, I'll admit it in terms of the Mavs, one of the best defensive teams, one of the slowest teams. But look, it's the Magic at home. And, and I will also say time to talk about the Mavs a bit more. When the Mavs are on the road, and I'm going to take a sip of my Belgian beer here for a sec. 
when the Mavs are on the road, 115 points per game. That's how many they allow. 103 points per game when they're at home, right? So we're talking about second best defense in terms of uh, allowing, you know, not, not allowing opponents points when they're at home. We're talking about the 18th worst defensive rating and, and, and most points uh, per game allowed to their opponent when they're on the road. They're playing in Orlando for this game. So that's why I feel completely good about this one. Uh, it, it's also about the way that they play defense. It's absolutely wild to see, but they allow the fifth highest field goal percentage to their opponents when they're on the road. That's good for the seventh worst uh, field goal percentage allowed to their opponent. Orlando shoots, like I said, 10th best percentage at home. That's uh, ninth, really, to be specific in terms of their field goal percentage at home. They're scoring the majority of their points from two point as well. They do hit a few more threes at home, which is fine. I mean, Dallas's three point defense is very, very good. But Orlando's offense at this point is very specific to how they play when they're at home. They're not shooting nearly as many threes. They're just getting to the paint. They're getting to the rack. They're getting those two point field goals that are not even two, not even mid range shots, right? Like they're not even really scoring uh, from the mid range when they're on the road. They're just getting to the paint, getting what they want, getting really high field goal percentage. That's why they also have the third best true shooting percentage uh, does do the magic when they're at home. So look, like I said, the pace is very slow for this Dallas team, but I'm totally eyeing an over at 214. I'm eyeing, like I said, most importantly, over 103 points uh, for the Magic at home in this one. Yeah, Lucas Prop sits at 34 and a half right now in terms of his points in this one. I don't know, man. The man's playing out of his mind entirely. I, I have no desire to bet against Luca. I also have no desire to bet on uh, someone scoring 35 points in a game. I don't know. I guess it could be the second coming of Michael Jordan, in which case I'm sure there was a time where betters were putting all of their money on Michael to score over on every game. Uh, but <sighs> I'm not touching Luke in this one. I'm strictly talking totals for the game, totals for Orlando, uh, 103 and a half for Orlando is where I got it. And I, I would continue to hit that all the way up to like 105, 106. I would not feel shy about that one. I think there's a bit of value. Look, it's possible that Vegas has this one completely correct. Uh, and I am, uh, you know, sort of trying to follow a trend that has been happening all season, but I'm going to continue to feel good about Orlando to score at home until they tell me otherwise, I'm going to continue to feel good about them covering, uh, eight points at home when they're winning, but these games by an average of three points per game. So you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA and the NFL. And tune in to beat the closing line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. The first prop that I have for you guys today on this slate in the NBA on Wednesday night uh, is coming from the, uh, the the game there with the Pacers. Uh, taking on Denver, I like points in this game. I wanted to take Denver initially when I just looked at the line for the very st- first time. Five and a half points for Denver. You think, wow, Denver is one of the best teams in the West. The Pacers, 
you know, fine. They're, they're fine this year, five and five, maybe a little bit better than some of us thought they were. Um, but to be honest with you, the Pacers are way better at home. Uh, so is Tyrese Halliburton. And, and that's why I would feel a little bit better actually about the Pacers getting points in this game. Uh, and definitely Tyrese Halliburton, his prop at 19 and a half points is only at one, minus 130 on DraftKings for the over. Our man's is at 22 points per game this season overall, 24. So a couple more points per game at home uh, versus when he plays on the road. So I, I'm not really quite sure why 19 and a half points is his prop in a game that he's playing against not a great defensive team. And especially on the road, Denver, the 25th worst, well, 25th overall defensive rating in the league when they're on the road. They've also are, are 24th, so seventh worst, if you will, uh, three point defense when they're on the road, 27th in terms of allowing opponents points in the paint as well. All of this on the road um, so far this season. And, you know, Halliburton doing everything he does a little bit better uh, at home. So he's scoring either from the paint or he's scoring from the three-point line, right, which is the modern-day NBA. He is a modern-day NBA player, very, very athletic, very tall point guard who also can shoot the deep ball, right, at this point. So um, Denver also, uh, just to add to it, allowing the second-most points per game two point guards overall. So I, I really just stick with the points of this one. I know it's minus 130 on DK. You can shop it around, get maybe 20 and a half points and a few other books closer to about minus 111 on those books uh, for him to get 20 points, but or 21 points in that scenario. Uh, I still don't mind it, really. Uh, I think this is uh, an opportunity to continue to hit Tyrese Halliburton uh, playing really well, like we all predicted him to do so all season long and just having the ball in his hands uh, with a usage rate that's well above 25% at this point uh, for the man in, in, in Indiana. So yeah, against Denver, I'm going to take 20 points, 21, however you want to do it. I wouldn't get mad at you for taking the juice uh, and going to FanDuel or, or MGM uh, where it's a little bit better uh, at 20.5 as opposed to the 20 points he would need uh, on DraftKings. So uh, moving on to my second one here. Another over, apologies, Mo Nawara, who is our resident uh, sharp, if you will, shark, and also uh, a very, very capable and, and loves taking those unders. I'm going over one more time here. Fred Van Fleet and the Raptors. I love their uh, their, their opportunity here uh, against the, the Bulls, excuse me, uh, against the uh, Rockets at home. Nine point, I said the Bulls because they've just been playing the Bulls on back-to-backs, it feels like, since the season started. Uh, but the Rockets are visiting Toronto tonight. 19 and a half points as well for, for Mr. Van Vliet there. Uh, FVV, minus 125 at DK. I definitely take a slightly adjusted line on him. Pascal Siakam's not playing tonight. That's a huge part of this. Uh, Houston is one of the worst defensive teams in the league, one of the worst teams overall, but definitely one of the the worst defensive teams. Um, So, you know, without Pascal in the last five, Fred Van Fleet there, 27 points a game. 20 field goal attempts as well, right? That's what you love to see is the the usage rate and the the amount of times that he's shooting the ball uh, when Pascal is not on the floor. A 46 52% 52% from three. Those are his splits. 40, 46% from the field, 52 in his last five without Pascal. That's the trend though, man. That, like, like when Fred Van Fleet is just letting go three pointers to the degree of like 12 to 13 a game, he's hitting four and a half to five of them, right? So his three point percentage stays close to 50% uh, when he's playing without Pascal Siakam because he's just, he's the one who has to score uh, and he, and he continues to take good shots. Like he's just an incredibly smart point guard. Uh, he's also playing against Chicago last five versus the bulls 25 a game in those. So like all these numbers are just like five to six to seven points below what his prop is at right now. Um, five for 12 from three in those last five versus the bulls in case you needed to feel better about the, the way he's shooting threes without Pascal uh, 24th 
uh, is Chicago in allowing opponent three-point percentage. Uh, on the road, they're even worse, right? So on the road, they, they, they drop from about fifth best in terms of their opponent three-point percentage, which is wild, to on the, like, at home, rather, that's where they are fifth, per, fifth best in terms of their opponent three-point percentage. When they go on the road, uh, drops all the way down to 24th in terms of allowing uh, their opponent to, to hit threes. You obviously know Fred if he's going to be shooting 12 a game from that spot at home. Uh, you feel really good about it. Yeah, I, look, man, I, I'm sorry. I keep saying Chicago. I meant the Rockets. All of those things I said about the Bulls are the Rockets. Uh, it is a little bit of a time difference here, man. I'm a bit tired in Europe. I did all of this research when I wasn't tired, if that makes you feel better, uh, during the daytime out here in France uh, or in Belgium these days. But uh, either way, like I said, guys, Fred Van Fleet, Tyrese Halliburton, that's what I feel really, really good about. Nate's got a couple of more props for you guys, so I'm going to go ahead and toss it to him and see you next time. Yeah, I'm going to look at the Spurs-Grizzlies game here, which has a pretty high total, 232. Interestingly, these teams have not been hitting their total lately uh, when they do go head-to-head, but the Spurs are playing a very freewheeling style this season, uh, sort of rebuilding under Popovich, and they've really been giving Keldon Johnson a ton of usage as their number one option in the post-DeJounte era, if you will. He's been extremely efficient, shooting 43% from three, hitting nearly four per game, just went nine for 18 uh, from deep and scored 27 and a half points per game in a back-to-back set against the the Nuggets. Um, not back-to-back nights, but consecutive matchups. And Memphis is a far worse defensive team right now. They allow the fifth most three-point attempts, the seventh most makes. Uh, they're 21st in both points allowed and defensive rating. And particularly on the wing is where they're struggling, giving up the sixth most points to small forwards, fourth most rebounds to small forwards. Uh, Keldon maybe a small forward, maybe a power forward. And, you know, he's kind of got the same body build as uh, Jason Tatum, if you will. Not the same mid-range game, of course. Not as much in his bag. But Johnson not necessarily playing small forward, some power forward as well. But if he gets matched up on Santi Aldama like Jason Tatum did in the Grizzlies last game, and that's barbecue chicken. I mean, the Grizz are hurrying right now without Jerry Jackson Jr. They don't have that kind of rangy forward who can deal with guys like Kelvin Johnson. Um, Aldama's going to get blown by. John Conchar is not going to be able to get it done, really, a- against those alpha or giant wings, if you will, like KJ. Uh, which you know brings me to his number. It's, it's 22 and a half for just points, and I don't hate that at all. I would go 28 and a half points rebounds or get the assists in there too at 30 and a half. He's averaging nearly four dimes per game this season, over five rebounds per game and 24 points. So he's averaging 33 PRA uh, last time out against Memphis last season, 34 PRA, 23.7 rebounds four assists on a 30% usage rate. And so now he's up to that kind of consistent high usage. Like I said, he's the Spurs best player at this point. The Spurs are playing much higher scoring games. Uh, his usage on the season is 27.5%. So I'm on board with Keldon Johnson here, especially in this matchup. Uh, like I said, the total is 232 when Memphis plays. Going under on Mr. George here, PG Clippers and the Lakers playing out at Staples and uh, Crypto Arena now, if you will. But uh, I kind of want to see the Lakers snap this skid against the Clippers, win their third game of the season. I think... They've been playing much better, it's certainly, in their last few games. I mean, Westbrook has been playing much, much better off the bench, and I think they have a serious advantage there. Um, at plus five and a half is where it opened. It's been bet down. Um, people 
expecting the Lakers to at least keep pace here. I mean, these are two terrible offensive teams. That first of all, they're pretty good defensively right now. No Kawhi Leonard, no Robert Covington for the Clippers among, you know, who knows who else, because as they continue to kind of loaf through the regular season, um, they they could rule, rule guys out at any point. And so you might think Paul George, monstrous usage, going to get over 26 and a half points. I don't think so. Uh, he only has really one super efficient game this season. It was against those Spurs I just talked about that are just playing fast-paced, limited defense. The Lakers are playing great defense uh, for the most part. They, Like I said, they just struggled in two matchups against the Jazz. I don't know how much of that is just matchup-based, but they were playing much, much better on the other side of the ball, it just again, I'm talking game spread here, but the point is George does not excel against this defense, against LeBron, AD out there at times. Uh, tough for him to get it going, anything going towards the rim, and he's shooting 30, 30% even from deep. Um, in his last four against the Lakers, averaging 18.5 points, eight rebounds, five assists. So 39.5 PRA. Is, is expecting him to get those peripheral stats or less and along with the 26 points or less. I uh, don't hate that either. I mean, he has 21 dimes and 18 turnovers in those four games against the Lakers. A 102 offensive rating, pretty, pretty bad. And PG does the bulk of his damage from beyond the arc. And the Lakers right now, 11th in opponents, three-point shooting, 14th in three-point makes. Uh, and that's despite opening the season with, a lot of matchups against really good offensive teams. And like I said, the Clippers for a while were 29th in offensive rating. Maybe it's jumped up a little bit because they've benefited from matchups, the Rockets twice, the Spurs. Um, and they did just get the tired Cavs <clears throat> uh, in overtime. Come Big comeback there to help PG get his points. But I think he comes back to earth in terms of the scoring here and continues to struggle against the Lakers in this particular matchup. So, That is all the time we have for my picks. 